on maynard.com.au. Hi, Maynard. It's Bunga Bunga. Bunga Bunga 23 with Maynard and Tim Ferguson. Direct from the Fortress of Arrogance. Oh, come on, the tin whistle version. Oh, sorry. Bunga Bunga 23, Ferguson is going off. That noise you might hear in the background is the air conditioner and that has to be kept on. It's like you're Mr Freeze in Batman, aren't you? I am Mr Freeze. Ice this. What does he say? Who cares? Nobody cares. It's Batman dialogue. Have you actually got the Batman uh, DVD boxed set of the 60s one? No, no. And now you've said it, I've got to go and get it. I just love the 60s Batman. Don't go away. The most horrendous is yet to happen. When I mention that, younger people just don't seem to know it ever existed. What they think that Batman was just never a camp joke. Right, well, good on them for being young, but also, let's call it what it is, stupid. Stupid! On today's show, we will have Crank Mail. Crank Mail. Tim's musical request. The burning social issue... And what's in Maynard's bug-out bag? It is one of the sacred relics Brother Maynard carries with him. But first, news. Big Doug Anthony All-Stars News. Man, you guys are going everywhere. Get your map of the world ready, people. We're going everywhere, every which way. We're uh, going to be playing at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. We're playing in the Town Hall, you know, that big cavernous echoing space. And we're doing what nobody ever does. This is two entirely different shows. It's not like an improvising comic where all the shows are different because if you know what you're talking about, you can tell that they're actually really quite the same. This is two entirely different Doug Anthony All-Stars shows. First, the show that brought us back, which is Rebirth. The thing that brought us back a couple of years ago. And then, on the second night, we have Near Death Experience, our brand new show, which will be the show that sees us escorted to the door by security. And if you want to know a little bit about that show, go back on the Planet Maynard stream here and you'll see a Bunga Bunga episode where you can uh, listen to the birth of that show. Let me tell you, by the time the show gets to Melbourne, I think that Hospital Gown should be well and truly ready for the audience. Hospital Gow's a very important song for everybody, and it I is. think... It's sort of like the MacArthur Park of healthcare. <laughs> That's right. After that, after Melbourne has been torched and we've been arrested because we're going to be busking and we're not going to get a fucking licence with the Doug Anthony All-Stars and I'm in a wheelchair. You want to try and stop us from busking? Go for it, Melbourne, you anti-Valuvian little town in the south. We move on to places like Mackay, which is apparently a real place. We go to Townsville. We're headed to Brisbane, I think the Americans call it. We'll actually be getting over to Adelaide. We're going to everywhere, so wherever you are, we will find you. Tim has actually had a lockout law in his house now for a couple of decades now, where at 9 o'clock everyone has to get nude and dance to rave music till 5am. I'm on the drug, I'm on the drug, I'm on the drug, the New River Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. It's a lock-in law. The slot machines have to come off, and by slot machines, I'm not talking about slot machines. 
Manadarama returns again. We had the Village People one go down in February, in March, March 5th, in Newcastle at the Royal Exchange in Bolton Street. We're looking at the Spice Girls this time, Tim. If you want to be Manadarama. Oh, the Spice Girls. Who doesn't like my favourite was Harry Spice. She had something going for her. And I've touched three members of the, of the Spice Girls, Posh, Ginger and Sporty. And do you think it's really ginger, ginger? Well, it's a very important question. You don't, You want to know what it is that you're going out with. I can't say any answer would be disappointing. People talk about, ooh, the curtains and the drapes, the drapes and the curtains. I want to know if the garage matches the front door. I'm not even looking in the room anymore, Tim. Please come to Banana Rover on the 5th. What other news is there in Tim's Fortress of Arrogance here? Any Kittler news? Yes, Kettler the cat, who does uh, run this house, has been having a wonderful time. He's learning to speak. German, of course. What word have come up so far? Koft, as he mentioned. What, what sort of words he doing? Koft is good. Also, Hogan. I see nothing. Which is what he calls me. And Schadenfreude, which is the way he looks at the whole world to laugh at other people's misery. I think all cats do Schadenfreude very well. They do. Only this morning, the cat in this house, he told me, Das ist ein kleiner Gemeinschaftsgluten nicht Auge. Well, if you know someone who speaks German, ask them. Now, 30 seconds of Tim's musical request. Request any song from any time, anywhere. Go, Tim. Midnight Oil. You wonder what's going on in his own little personal Spotify in his head, don't you, people? Nobody knew what those opening chords were, but certainly they recognise what drums sound like. The drum solo from Midnight Oil's Power and the Passion. I love Midnight Oil. I just like the whole rock thing. Midnight Oil managed to preach their lefty politics to a bunch of people like me who really didn't give a shit. It's time for Crank Mail. Crank Mail, Crank Mail, Crank Mail. Oh, Tim, and what little animal is that having a pee there this week? Well, you'd be surprised to hear that it's actually a Canadian beaver. A Canadian beaver, boys and girls. Canadian beaver peeing into the bucket from Revenant. Uncanny. Crank mails where you can contact us through the Facebook, the Bunga Bunga Facebook page, through Maynard at maynard.com.au, through Maynard.com, Mao on Twitter, and either psychically or they can go to Real Tim Ferguson on the Twitterverse or just go to cheekymonkeycomedy.com on the worldwide whatever and you'll find everything that's going on. By the way, I mentioned Revenant before. I went and saw Revenant with... How was it? Oh, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, look. Leonardo DiCaprio? So his performance could have been better. I've liked everything he's done apart from in Revenant. It's partly not his fault that... All he does is drag himself around in agony for most of the film and then he punches a guy. The thing to see is Deadpool. That's got a thing with a story. I'm I'm really not interested in going out. Well, of course, you can't get out of the compound, so you're putting a bright face on it. Deadpool is really cool. It's so postmodern, it really is. He's talking to us. There's even a scene where he's having a memory... And in the memory, he turns to us and says, wow, this is breaking the fourth wall inside a broken fourth wall. The only trouble is, what do you do the next day in the story writing room at Marvel? 
where some of those heroes take themselves very seriously. Was anything like kick-ass? It was like kick-ass. Lots of fun, lots of wry humour. Ryan Reynolds, it's his best role ever. He's just terrific. But I wouldn't want to be sitting in the story writing room coming up with something now that everybody knows characters can turn to the camera and go, hey, so you're watching my ass. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Marvel people do now. Uh, There has been a bit of a nod and a wink, but no one's ever turned to the camera and directly spoken, let alone referred to something and within that reference turned again and mentioned that this is a breaking of the fourth wall. Best fourth wall, apart from, of course, Blazing Saddles, I'd say would probably have to be, there was some flying high stuff that's really good. What a pisser. That's a great line that breaks the fourth wall. I would think that Spaceballs, where they're watching the video of the actual movie and they're waving their hand in front of the camera. What the hell am I looking at? When does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Oh, Mel Brooks, yeah. (laughs) They're waving their hand and blazing saddles. People spend most of the time looking at the camera. And, of course, I break the fourth wall in A Young Einstein in the uh, loony bin sequence where I'm walking in a circle. I look at the camera because that's just the kind of thing I do. Of course, everybody wants to do it, but you've done it first. We'll get on to our first piece of crank mail here from Sammy Sabine who writes a very interesting one. What does Tim make of Tim Minchin's Cardinal Pell Come Home song? Can we hear a bit of that song? Of course, Cardinal Pell can't come back to do some court appearances because he's just not well. I mean, with all due respect, dude, I think you're a scum and I reckon you should come Just do it soon I hear the tolling of a bell And it has a pelionel What do you make of that? Why do comedians always have to go first? Tim Minchin has just asked a very simple question way before the Labor Party has, way before the Liberal Party has. Even the Greens haven't had the balls, if that's what they call them, the enlarged flaps to actually say, Dab it! George, you should come home, and we're going to hold the toast until you do. Tim Minchin did it in song. It's a bit Whitlam-esque, but he's just trying to make a point. You heard the Doug Anthony All-Stars song about George Pell (laughs) that we did late last year, and we're very glad that that never made the internet because we were a lot more harsh Mm. on George. Can you even tell us the title? I can't even tell you what the title (laughs) is. The title is very, very bad. If you came and saw those shows, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. As usual, politics politicians, they follow the comedians, they follow the funny people. We always break the opinion hymen and then everybody jumps in saying it was their idea. Too much! Ella Arendale writes, and she specifically writes, this question is for Tim. Ella Arendale wants to know, can an apple tree be grafted onto a cherry, rose apple, water apple or guava tree? Uh, Yeah, you can graft it pretty well onto anything. You can graft it onto a daisy plant if you use a small enough graft. The way it works is it's like a zombie virus. You only need a little bit and the next thing you know, you're dealing with mutant plants. So... Yes, dear listener, yes. Well, good luck with your zombie apple tree, Ella Arendale. Grant McHeron writes, it's a pretty uh, pretty sweeping one, this one, but I think you will have an opinion on this, Tim. Can we get rid of all the federal politicians and start again? I believe there'd have to be a rewriting of certain documents like the Constitution. 
or just a burning of the buildings and the institutions. The Americans and the French did that. Oh, they did. Yeah, they burnt the White House to the ground. Look, you can get rid of politicians, but then what? Who's going to take their place? People who want power. And they all have the same disease, which is an ambition for control and kickbacks. So you could get rid of them, but they'd all jump in. For example, myself. I would try to put myself in charge and you don't want me in charge. Yeah, we could kill them all, but then what? Do you think with your bit of wheelchair action you've got going, people would say, oh, well, he's the next Roosevelt? That's exactly right. And that's why I use a wheelchair. I was waiting for someone to mention the Roosevelt effect. Roosevelt, of course, commanded America during a war in a wheelchair. And of course, JFK had a bit of a movement problem as well. Oh, they both did. And another thing that connects those two presidents is they were Lots both... of painkillers. Yeah, and they were hornbags. Hornbags yeah. on painkillers. Two root rat presidents, and that's how they stayed fit and healthy and cured their back problems. JFK had Marilyn Monroe, who was the famous... Did Roosevelt have a famous star of the time? Was he a Hollywood kind of guy? It was his cousin, was his longtime lover. That's the way they did things then, just like we do in Australia, except we have a different name for it. Very close family friend. Jessica Gomesol writes, What act is Tim looking forward to seeing at the Edinburgh Festival and why? At the Edinburgh Festival, Jerry Sadowitz. There is no act I want to see more. I want to see a lot of the acts, but Jerry Sadowitz is the most powerful, the most persuasive and the smartest comedian alive today. And I want to go and see him. It's too offensive for YouTube. Every syllable is too offensive, so you won't be able to find anything on YouTube that has Jerry Sadowitz. An extraordinary comedian. Doug Anthony All-Stars are all big fans of his work. One from Scott Burton. He writes, Why is it only now that we are seeing quality comedy programs on commercial TV? Now, I wouldn't say that they're only just coming on now. There have been some on commercial TV. It's been a bit of a break. If you're talking about entertainment shows, Hey Hey It's Saturday ran very successfully for a long time and there were heaps of laughs there. If you're talking about Meet the Habibs, which is a new Channel 9 sitcom. Which you can see Richard Saunders on as an extra in the background. Wow, he does some great extra work. He's so sceptical. He's wearing a cravat. Oh, that's a very sceptical garment. (laughs) If you're talking about that show, then yes, it is the first commercial television sitcom to be made for at least 20 years, I think. And the thing that's changed is that they've wised up and remembered. Sometimes television forgets. Like the viewers, they will say, oh, no, that's old. Nobody does sitcoms anymore. Uh, Then they remember the beautiful ratings. They remember, oh, yeah, what was that thing, Acropolis Now? Didn't that work stratospherically? And then they all have a meeting and they meet the right people. The next thing you know, you've got Meet the Habibs. I want to speak to the new owner right now. You're looking at him. Meet Foo Foo. Foo Foo. Who? Foo. Who? Foo Foo. Here come the Habibs. The neighbours from hell. Goes the neighborhood. Now, Maynard, there was an outcry, and they were saying this well in advance of having <laughs> seen the show. There was even some dweeb had a change.org page where you could sign a petition saying stop the show. This was a woman who had never seen the show. It is impossible to see a network TV show unless you're working on it. I thought I'd better jump onto Twitter and put out some of their promos and say, I'm going to watch this show. And, of course, they all jumped in saying, once I put back my quinoa, I'm not going to watch that and I never will watch that. And, again, I could just say, that's like Jerry Falwell. 
who said, I don't have to go to a brothel to know that it's evil. I don't have to watch a TV show to know that it's bad. And you know why they didn't like it? And you know why they probably never will like it, apart from the ones who did watch it and enjoyed it? It's because they don't like things that are made for them out there in the suburbs. These were the usual Fitzroy-dwelling Darlinghurst people, the tut-tutters who don't like anything on commercial television, even though they never watch it. But The Habibs is a funny show. It's really well made. It's got some great Australian comedians of all sorts of ethnicities. Why wouldn't you support it? You left-wing, quinoa-sucking, nut-eating fools. Just get onto it, get off the paleo and start acting like a person with a brain instead of being prejudiced against normal people. Too much. This is from Emily Short. She almost writes a bit of a serious question here. She writes, Tim, do you have any kind of occupational therapy? And if so, has Paul learnt to help you with this occupational therapy when you're on tour? Paul McDermott is my primary carer on tour. Um, I get by with a lot of help from my friends. Paul wouldn't like me to be talking about this much, so I won't. Paul does some great stuff, and he always does it without asking, without thinking, without making a fuss. He'll grab my chair, put it together, get me into it, get me out of it. He's just around. He's uh, the best carer anybody could want. And normally, Paul, who usually has something snarky to say, no matter what might be, he doesn't even talk about it. What about Paul Livingston? Would you expect anything from him? Oh, we're all too scared of Paul Livingston to (laughs) ask him for anything. Well, he may help. He may not. It's just uh, I don't want to find out. But I'm sure he would. But you ask him. He sent me his book too. I've got to say I really liked it, although I don't think I'm actually intelligent enough to read it. Read it the right way up, Maynard. Just look at the cover and you'll be able to judge. Because I was reading, I thought, gee, I've got to do an interview with him about this. I, I don't know if I could ask the right questions. You just ask any question and be general. So, Chapter 4, what's that about? And one last question here in the Crank Mail segment before we get on to the burning social issue. This one is from Crystal Edwards. Who would win in a fight between, and viewers get this into your head, Napoleon Solo, Maxwell Smart and the George Lazenby James Bond? So who would win in a fight between Napoleon Solo, that's the man from UNCLE? How do you keep so fit, Mr. Solo? I play games. Maxwell Smart. Wait a minute, 99. Are you sure the chief didn't send you here to back me up? Of course not, Max. The chief knows you can take care of yourself. Or George Lazenby's James Bond. My name's Bond. James Bond. The new Bond. George Lazenby. The different Bond. 007 times more exciting than your wildest dreams. Would you believe Maxwell Smart? Every time. When was there an episode of Maxwell Smart's show, Get Smart, where they lost? Chaos always loses. He's got a 100% hit rate and it's all over in half an hour as opposed to the man from Uncle Needs One Hour and George Lazenby and all the other Bonds needed at least 90 minutes. With Max, in 21 minutes of airtime, bang, fixed. If you don't mind, 99, I'd like to handle this. And George Lazenby's James Bond, his wife got killed at the end. Well, and nobody really liked her. He got married. What's going on? You knew it wasn't going to go well for her. As soon as James Bond gets married, it's not going to be a 30-year marriage. And her name's Teresa. Why can't her name be Pussy like all the other funny people or that other one? What was her name? Oh, yeah, Boobs. You gotta have boobs if you want to impress. 
tycoons and roofs. Why can't it be like those Bond women? As soon as I heard the name Teresa, I thought, well, she's not going to last. Thank you for your question. Pussy Edwards there. Close up the crank mail for now. Crank mail, crank mail, crank mail. Because it's time to move on to the burning social issue. Who's got the matches? How come I smell smoke? (laughs) Belinda Anderson Pierce, so good they named her thrice, writes, Why Star Wars not Doctor Who, Tim Ferguson? Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Why Star Wars and not Doctor Who? Okay, I won't even say special effects. Well, I will. Special effects are supposed to be special where you go, wow, look at that, as opposed to, that's funny, it really popped. But apart from the special effects, Star Wars is just huge. In a 100 years, people will still be quoting Star Wars. They won't be quoting something from series 21 of Doctor Who. Doctor Who's great. Although the concepts involved in Doctor Who are perhaps sometimes a bit more challenging. Oh, they are a bit more challenging, but who needs that? You're five years old, you just want to see something go bang. Good on Doctor Who, but it's so terribly English. Give me the Americans all the time. As I said to my New York University students this week, you are from a superior culture. And nobody giggled, they just nodded. (laughs) Americans understand they're from a superior culture. They seriously are. So you're completely uh, disregarding the entire work of K-9. Oh, yeah, K-9. Who needs a busybody? That's like having a C-3PO around without the conversation. Who was your favourite doctor, by the way? I hate to use the cliche, but it's got to be Tom Baker. He was a funny doctor, a great voice, great actor. Yeah, Tom Baker. Of course, uh, I like Colin Baker. He did a great job. Sylvester did a wonderful job. All the modern doctors now, of course, are even better. They're terrific. Star Wars is just better, Belinda. That's probably your answer you're going to get from that. And let's close up the burning social issue. Over to Ferguson in the voiceover booth. What's in? Maydard's bug out. Bag? And I'm glad you asked. Well, we have a sort of a double thing today. I have have something to wind Tim up, but I thought I'd I'd get this. We have some literature. I've brought a copy of this along. Wow. Michael Green's book of The Art of Course Acting. It's basically how to be a bad extra or how to be an annoying person on stage. He's got some photos there of people doing some course acting. I base my private life on his teachings. What he says, if you are on stage and you want to be a course actor and you forget your line of dialogue, the best thing to do is glare accusingly at the other person on stage and walk off. Yeah, that's good. That's good. (laughs) So it's clear to everybody watching that there's been a mistake. And and it's their fault, not his. That's the way. No wonder he's dressed as a pirate on the front cover. Paul Livingston actually does that a couple of times in Doug Anthony. He just seems to doesn't understand what's going on and puts his guitar down and runs off. I don't look at what Paul Livingston's doing. I don't want to upset him at all. He's an enigma. Michael Green's The Art of Course Acting. Give it a bit of a look. But speaking of Green, I've got something to wind Tim up because this show is nothing if winding Tim up. I have here a how to vote from our local member, Jamie Parker for Balmain, but it is the Green's how to vote ticket for the last New South Wales elect. They've also got their policies on the back there. And, And being a big supporter of the Greens that you are, I thought you might like to share your thoughts on some of them. 
Oh, my God. For starters, animal justice. Animal justice. The policy of animal justice is a rat plague. That's the way the animals get their justice. Jesus. The meh, 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 meh policies this guy has. There are one, two, three, there are 11. Three have something to do with the environment and the rest have something to do with meh, 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 just lefty university. We used to be communists, but now we call ourselves twang. It's bull twang. Is there one policy there you agree with? Oh, I agree with some of them, but it's not their job to have these. They oppose the privatisation of TAFE funds. Good on them. What do you do in the morning if you're a Greens Party member? For starters, you've got to wash your underpants twice because you don't use soap. Get it together. Jamie Parker, we want to have an interview with you. Tim doesn't have to necessarily come along. I I can just bring a faxed copy of his questions. That's right. I I won't actually be there in person because I will fold like a piñata. That was just a bit of a bug out bag. Tim, you've been listening to a lot of things. I've noticed you. You've been turning your head around the room and you've been hearing almost every word I've said. How about a Tim's sound effect request? This is where Tim makes a lot of work for me by calling for an unusual event in audio quality. I would like to hear Barnaby Joyce taking a quiet moment in the Parliament House cell rooms behind the King's Hall where he simply gets a glass of water, drinks it, and burps. Good on you, Barnaby. Good on you. It's amazing where the bunga bunga microphone goes. This is episode 23. We are at Tim Ferguson's Fortress of Arrogance. We do still go to the Fru Fru Cafe from time to time, just not today because we're recording it late. I think it's time to thank some people. And by the way, if you are a Patreon supporter, you can request the background music that's going on behind us right now. And no one has a cheesy song to go in the background. We would like to thank the Patreon supporters that really keep me afloat. There's 31 of you. There certainly is. And by the way, I've got to say, I'm always wondering, where has that Bunga Bunga microphone been? Thank you to Nick, Andrew, Peter Young, and the fantastic, most beautiful Patricia McIntosh, the wonderful and sexy Norman Fox, Mel Wilden, Sue Wilden, all the Wildens, Christy Shields, my favourite, good on your special K, Richard Wright. Thank you to Mark O'Brien. How many times has Mark O'Brien been thanked? Not enough. Craig Walker. Craig Walker is a very special person. Beautiful eyes. Could stare into his eyes and mm. fall into them. Howard Lovett. Andrew Waddington, Shell Lancaster, very special person, Shell. Jeremy Kirkwood, Belinda Pierce. Great name. It's very rounded. It's very sharp. What's your name? My name is Belinda Pierce. Thank you to her for her Patreon work. Katie, Claire, Jeanette. We've got Rebecca. Oh, and Katrina Hale. Wonderful work, Katrina. Danny Matthews. He contributes to the Patreon and he feels good, but we feel even better. Thank you very much to him. We also have big thanks for Leone, Chanel, David, Grant, Angus, Ben Begley, Daryl Adams, 
the real Daryl Adams, not the fake Daryl Adams, the real Daryl Adams. And I want to thank him for all his stunts and pranks. I always love finding that stuff in my mail. Who would have thought an antelope could do that? Big Pantheon thanks to Craig McHeron, Angus Fotherington, David Hickey. David Hickey, he's what Double J should sound like. He's on that show. Ah, that's what we should all sound like, David Hickey. Thank you to all of these people. No matter how small your contribution may be, it all adds up and is spent wisely. And we certainly need that support. Let me tell you, it's line ball from month to month here at Maynard International Studios. And if you'd like to be a supporter for as little as $1 a month, just go to patreon.com forward slash Maynard. Be a part of that. And I would like to thank, I won't mention their name, but I got a check for $100 sent to me from a listener in Adelaide last month. And it was very lovely. And I really would like to thank her for that check. She said, look, I don't want to do the Patreon thing. I'll send you a check. Here's the whole year's lot in one go. And thank you very much. Thank you to our international listeners. We're starting to get hundreds and hundreds of people listening in countries I didn't even think were real. America's a real place. I thought it was a sitcom. That's Ben Begley. He drives a bus there. Ben, no wonder America is working. Patreon.com forward slash Maynard. Big thanks to DNC Lifestyle. Kitler just can't get enough of that DNC Lifestyle stuff, but Tim thinks there's other animals that could be helped by them. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you've got a beaver, and no, not that kind of beaver, keep it above the belt. If you've got one of those, what do they have that always needs a bit of polishing and care? Their teeth at the front. And, of course, you'll be able to go to DNC Lifestyles and they'll be able to come up with whatever fluoride or toothbrush your beaver may need. Get along to maynard.com.au and you'll see the big ad for DNC Lifestyle there on the front page. Click on that and look for beaver toothpaste or maybe just something for your dog or cat, which may be a bit easier to get. Don't buy a beaver. The hell on furniture. Tim, you've been pretty mouthy about Morrissey. You had a few things to say about the Thompson Twins last week. What do you think of Prince, the music of Prince, Tim Ferguson? Uh-oh, what's going to happen now? The man is a genius. And all that goes with it. I work with two geniuses, McDermott and Livingston, and you have to take the genius with the rest of it, which is the mood changes, the limited height, but also the amazing ability to play basketball. Check out Prince and Eddie Murphy's brother on YouTube playing basketball. It's quite extraordinary. He's got a lot of talent. Prince will not allow his music to be done by Weird Al. Wow, he won't allow it. He's one of the few. That's because he's a little man and little men don't like anybody to laugh at them. The guy really is a genius. I've never heard a song of his where I thought, oh, gee, that really didn't work. I mean, a favourite one? Cream. Yeah, Shaboogie. It's just beautifully produced, really well written, catchy, and a wonderful film clip. So sexy. Sexy MF is a great track, mainly because I heard Bob Down doing it in Edinburgh once. And Bob Down does a great version of it. It's hard to screw that up. Even if you Bob Downize it, you can't make it sound bad. You sexy motherfucker. Tim likes a bit of Prince there, and if you've got someone you suggest I can ask Tim about next week, we'll just do that. You sexy motherfucker. Oh, hang on, hang on, we have an addendum. And while we're on, Morrissey, 
What a dick. Tim Ferguson, the voice of reason. Don't expect too much. Tim's historical hypothetical. What we do is we put Tim Ferguson in a moment in history and he would tell us how it would have worked out if he was there. Think of it as an alternative timeline. Tim Ferguson, are you ready for Bunga Bunga 23's historical hypothetical? Yes, I'm ready. Tim Ferguson, the date is May 30th, 2013. Oh, I know where this one's going. The place is Lynham High School in the ACT. Hang on. That is the Australian Capital Territory. You are Prime Minister Julia Gillard visiting Lynham High School in the ACT. Suddenly, on the back of your neck, you are hit by a salami sandwich on white bread. This is the second time in a month a student has thrown a sandwich at you. Earlier in the month, Kyle Thompson, 16, was suspended for throwing a sandwich at you at Marsden High School near Logan in southeast Queensland, and it's happened again in Lynham High School in the ACT just today. You were going there to do a speech about the Gonski school reforms, but you've been hit in the neck by the back of a salami sandwich on white bread. What do you do, Julia Gillard, Tim Ferguson? I go on to lead one of the most disappointing governments in Australian history that started with so much angst, that started already limping. And I go on to lead this government with the worst kind of undermining and heckling and then move off into history where I sit on a whole bunch of boards and uh, give speeches, hoping everybody forgets what happened. Uh, If Kevin was going to lose... His numbers were better than Bill Shorten's. His numbers were better than Julia's. Not that I love Kevin, but Julia, you went too fast. So that's what I'd do. I'd lead the government and then quietly move off. And that can all be blamed on the salami sandwich? All on the salami sandwich, which is the symbol of the young people fighting back. Seriously, I know people will be going, oh, there are people who just love Julia. But you have to think past the fact that she was a woman. If this was anybody and their prime ministership had gone down like this, really, would you be happy and satisfied? It was immensely disappointing, and Julia's the first one to be disappointed. What about Kyle Thompson, the 16-year-old who threw the first Vegemite sandwich that month? He was actually suspended over the incident, despite his insistence that he had been wrongly accused. Kyle Thompson claimed he had tried to knock the sandwich from another student's hand. Is that the sort of thing you'd believe from a 16-year-old accused of throwing a Vegemite sandwich at the prime minister? I suppose, but whoever it was, that was politics Russian style. In the old days, they throw Molotov cocktails, these days salami sandwiches. Either way, I don't mind students protesting, and occasionally they're going to throw a meat pie. Why not? After all, we're only talking about politicians. It's not like we're talking about anybody important. Wow. You've been listening to Tim's Historical Hypothetical. Of course, Julia didn't fail because she was a woman. She wasn't really picked on because she was a woman. Certainly not effectively, because she's a very tough lady. The fact is, the reason why her prime ministership didn't work is because she deposed a psychopath. Brought to you by the sound of arrogance that is dripping from the very walls here of Ferguson's Fortress of Arrogance, inhabited sometimes by him and just a lonely Kittler who wants to annex part of the flat for his own. You can hear his voice. Ah, yes. It doesn't actually sound yeah. sad or yeah, well, What's he saying? What he's saying, again, is German. Das ist ich, nein, kleiner Gemeinschaftsgluten heißer Nicht-Tauger. 
What we've got for you now is a piece that has become almost part of the textbook for most secondary schools to study in certain regions of Australia where they really don't have much to do. Tim's right of reply to a question you never asked in the first place. Malcolm, 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 where are you? You know, a few bunga bungas ago, I remember saying, Malcolm, Malcolm, come out to wherever you are, wherever you are, and you sort of popped your head out like a, a gopher, and then you popped it back in. And you put a whole bunch of stuff on the table, the GST, the uh, removal of pap smears for women, the uh, slaughtering of innocents. You put it all on the table, and you beat your chest saying, we're looking at everything. We're not discounting anything. And then you've slowly taken it all off the table. The most recent news is that the next budget is going to be, I think the word is soft cock, that nothing's going to happen. You're not going to fix any of the problems that you or Tony Abbott say exist and nothing's going to happen. You may coast by on charm for a while or as Paul Keating says, like a firework. At first people go, ooh, it's a firework. Ooh, Malcolm, oh, you use such big words. You're not like Tony at all. But eventually you've got to get off the pot and you better bring something with you. And Malcolm's not doing that because he's got the idiots on one side and the bastards on the other and all of us in the middle. And at the end of the day, he really just wants to be loved. So don't worry about coming out, coming out wherever you are, Malcolm. We know where you are. You'll win the next election just by being reasonable. So what would you do if you were Bill Shorten? What's a way you could possibly close that gap and win the election? Is there any way? Yeah, I would get a sense of humour. There is nothing more effective in politics than a funny jibe. Politicians fear humour and ridicule more than they fear other politicians shouting at them or hurling abuse. There's nothing like a good effective joke. As Gough Whitlam knew, as Paul Keating knew, as Bob Hawke knew, as even John Howard, who was occasionally amusing, knew. Bill, you've got to lighten up, mate. Start using your brains for wit and not just for bashing. This has been Bunga Bunga 23. My name's Maynard. And I'm Jim Ferguson. Remember, wherever you are, you're never far from Bunga Bunga. Bunga Bunga.
What a dick. On Maynard.com.au. Hey, you! Yeah.